Hello, everybody, and welcome to Eliminated, a Royal Rumble podcast, where we take a look at the inconsistencies of the Royal Rumble match. Jim, uh, I, I hope you were able to recover from last episode. I know I was trying. <laughs> I was not able to. In fact, it was 1996 was so bad that it made me sick, and I legitimately caught a cold. So, if people, I apologize ahead of time for if I, um, you hear a cough in the background, or if I sound a bit off or a little nasally, I took some medicine before getting on this recording, and I'm going to power through. But you know what, Bill? I am on a water bin, so (laughs) you might hear me drink a lot of water. I think think the 96 Rumble made me gain some weight, so. Wow. Not, not a lot of weight, but it made me gain some weight. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> I never heard of a wrestling event um, <laughs> be the cause for weight gain. That's what I'm planning to get on. <laughs> that's as good as anything. Bill, why don't you introduce the guest? Yeah, let's course. introduce our guest today. Uh, he is from England, and let's welcome in Liam. Hi, guys. Um, happy to be here with you today. Um, looking forward to talking about the Rumble. Liam, I'm going to start off with a question that I ask all our guests here. Give us a background of how long you've been following pro wrestling and, you know, what you've kind of watched and what you're currently watching. Basically, a roundabout uh, information on, you know, um, what the type of wrestling fan that you are. Okay, um, well, I'm 33, so I've been following it probably for about 25 years plus. Uh, We started getting some WCW over here in 1992. Got a bit of New Japan on Eurosport as well, so watched some of that. Uh, but mainly was a WWF fan, to be fair. Um, I went, sort of fell out of love with it a little bit um, when I got a bit older, but then got back into it. My, primarily the sort of territory stuff. I like watching a lot like, of 80s stuff. I watch a, a bit of the modern stuff, but but just it sort of lost me a little bit, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as you know, that I've been trying to get you on... For a while here, uh, you know, we've talked and certain things before this didn't work out. But one thing that you were pretty adamant about, not adamant, I guess that might not be the right word. Um, but you definitely preferred you to try to get something in the 90s. And obviously you're here now, so we were able to accommodate that. Uh, what is it about the 90s as opposed to the 2000s and the 2010s like that you want to do? over those i guess you would say it's yeah it's just a, a time period i mean i'd have been sort of 10 when this was on i can't remember exactly if i watched it live or if i saw it on vhs afterwards or but just uh, the characters all felt sort of bigger and more interesting and brighter for a sort of a child and and you know as i got older obviously i enjoyed some of the stuff in in the noughties and and, and recently but um i guess it's the formative years of being a wrestling fan they kind of stand out to you, don't they? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I kind of go back and watch a lot of early 90s stuff because it's the stuff I watched when I was a kid and didn't get to see all of it then because obviously I was limited in what I could see. So I sort of explore things that are sort of new to me, I guess, and enjoy it. Sure. Uh, okay, so, Bill, why don't you tell us what's going on in the wrestling world? Because, you know, I've, I talked to um, Rowdy Ross about this the other day, and I'm going to bring this up because this is the 1997 Royal Rumble. Right. I feel like as of late, in current times, not current as in current product, but like how WWE pushes things, mm-hmm. I feel like there's been a wave of thought saying that 
oh yeah, WCW was beating WWE during the Monday Night Wars in 1997, but WWE had the better shows in 1997. And I sat there and I'm wondering to myself, I'm like, I don't remember that being the case. And I feel like it might be one of those narratives that, you know, to kind of cheapen WCW's winning streak. Uh, Do you agree with that? You know, I think the best way to put that would be pretty much any any way you would say this, but it's true. The winners write, you know, the history, mm-hmm. especially in this case. Because, yeah, WCW, you know, the ratings, we know about that 83 weeks, blah, blah, blah. But there are some times where... You know, WWF may have had a few good weeks of programming. Mm. And then, especially, like, with their pay-per-views. Like, I, I'll i be honest, and I know I'm going a little bit for it, but it's not going to spoil anything. I didn't really order my first WCW pay-per-view until Bash at the Beach 97. That was the one with Rodman involved. Mm. So as far as pay-per-views go, I was straight up WWF. Right. So, like I said, but, I think it's interesting to me, and that's what's segueing us into what's going on with the rest of the wrestling world yeah. and the roll call of champions. Yeah. Well, remember, you know, the Austin 316 signs came out the night after King of the Ring 96, which is not right. true. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let's get into the roll call first. Uh, we'll start off with WWF. Going into this Royal Rumble, Sid is the WWF champion. The Intercontinental Champion is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And the Tag Team Champions are Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. In WCW, their current champ, their world champ, is Hollywood Hulk Hogan. The U.S. Champion is Eddie Guerrero. The Television Champion is Lord Steven Regal. Back when the TV title meant something. The Tag Team Champions are the Outsiders, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. The Cruiserweight Champion is Ultimo Dragon. And this is the only time we're ever going to bring this up. The WCW Women's Champion (laughs) is Akira Hokuto. Would have thought they would have given it to Medusa, but maybe that was just me. They would later come out, just just to put this out there, they had a women's cruiserweight title that came out that same year. Why? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it makes just as much sense as the six-man tag title for Ring of Honor to me. I, I know. Uh, in ECW, Raven is the ECW champion. The tag team champions are the Eliminators. And the world television champion is Shane Douglas. Okay. I can already tell, tell you right from there, like... The other two companies seem like, on paper, way more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with that hot WCW women's division. Well, yeah, okay. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, how, what do you re- now that you got to uh, go back a little? Do you remember any of this stuff? Anything from WCW or ECW, or even just hearing about this stuff? Maybe not necessarily having access to it. Yeah, I so I, I, I was watching Nitro around this time i believe or at least into 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 sort of 1997 um just it 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 was really really interesting to watch it 
considering sort of like you know, the NWO and how exciting that storyline was. But then you think to yourself, in 1997, you have you know, Hulk Hogan as your, your world champion, you have the Outsiders as your tag champions, and it kind of just does somewhat take over, doesn't it, what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge Lord Stephen Regal fan, uh, so I love the idea that he had the TV title at this time. But just, yeah, it's, it was so all-encompassing, the NWO. And it just, just from 1997 onwards, it, you know, they were just at the top for, for, for weeks. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we go and we're going to talk about any free Rumble stuff that happened that would affect the Royal Rumble match itself. Uh, there were interviews. I've had a couple written down here of, like, Bret Hart, Mankind, Terry Funk, Farouk, Austin. But the best one was from the British Bulldog. And he's um, the last one. So, Bill, do you, first off, any of those interviews, do either you two want to chime in on any of the ones that are not the British Bulldog? No, I'm okay. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest. Austin and Brett may have, outside of the Bulldog, may have had the best promos for this Rumble. Because, you know, Bret Hart's like, you know, I got a target on my back. Ever since I came back, I got an even bigger target. Because I'm going to win the Rumble. You know, it's typical Bret Hart. And then Steve Austin has one of my all-time favorite lines in the history of wrestling. Where he's like, you TV cameraman, you got the cameras where they don't belong. And it's just, I I just like that line. I don't know why. I just enjoy hearing that line. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's cool. Terry Funk is Terry Funk. God bless him. You know, middle-aged and crazy. And uh, did Mankind say have a nice day in this one? I, I don't, don't remember. I, these To me, these were all very, except for the Bulldog, all very forgettable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so now let's talk about the Bulldog. So first off, <laughs> I love the Bulldog. Okay, first off, he's, they sh- it's him entering the building. So and he's walking, and you can see fans in the background. Why they, he's the only he's the only one that's they had to grab entering the building. I don't know, but when they, he says that he's going to win the Royal Rumble because he's bizarre. <laughs> now I I said okay. First of all, I obviously laughed right away and said this this is probably the best pre. Rumble uh, interview for this show. Mm-hmm. But also, I was like, maybe this is some kind of slang that was being used at the time for maybe not even in the United States, but for somewhere international. Couldn't find anything. Can either of you vouch for if bizarre means anything? I mean, I mean in, in the UK, bizarre literally just means weird. So... It, it doesn't make sense even for me. Okay. And you know, it's funny you say that because that is the first place I went to see if it was like a UK situ- uh, kind of thing. And I didn't see any evidence. Bill, what are your thoughts on the Bulldog being bizarre? Um, You know what? He probably was at this time. I, I, I don't... Well, you know what? Marrying into the Hart family, you have to be bizarre. 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 Yeah. Um, you got what, what, what did you take from this bizarre line? 
it, it's it's funny because uh, as a sort of throwaway Royal Rumble promo, it's one of those um, lines that actually has kind of lived on past this Rumble. Because I have heard it before, and it kind of gets laughed and joked about because it is just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he was a, he was a strange man at times, so maybe it fit. Maybe he is bizarre. All right, so let's get into the Rumble match. So we have managers are allowed. The announcers mm-hmm. are Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler. The intervals are 90 seconds, which means our intervals are going to be, Bill? Every seven and a half minutes. Right. Uh, does anyone have anything to add before we get to the Rumble match itself? Nope. Um, I Well, they announced the attendance the crowd, you know, the attendance number before oh, the match. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. And is, the oh, crowd man. gave no reaction whatsoever. That's my first note. Well, the thing was, this was a very, from what I understood, this was a very papered event. And I got into a discussion with um, someone in, in at my job about this, and he's right. But at the same time, you can. So this was supposed to be built around Shawn Michaels is coming home. Mm-hmm. It's the third part of my Shawn Michaels triangle of hate. Mm-hmm. This is all, all supposed to be about him coming home. He's in the main event. The hometown boy's back. And they were banking that they could fill this this arena on his popularity. But here's the thing. Shawn Michaels, even though he was a good wrestler, I'll be the first to admit that, even though I don't like him as a person, he wasn't really a draw. And he... They had to, you know, put lots of papers out for it. They that's one of the reasons allegedly why there's the um uh the the um a lot of Mexican wrestlers. Yes, yeah, so I was trying to think if they were from an actual promotion or not. Yeah, the triple A promotion. So I thought that was interesting that they'll tout the attendance even though it's kind of a I don't know how true that attendance really is. Right. So they announced the attendance as 60,477. How much can the building hold? Uh, let me take a look real quick. It can hold... Uh, well, it depends on the sport. Okay. If it's a concert, in the stages in the center, it can hold up to 77,000. Okay. For basketball, if they have like the final four, it can hold up to seventy thousand. Okay. So yeah, so this kind of like burst their bubble. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what. <coughs> excuse me. I don't know what they were thinking. Why did they even think at this time when WCW is beating them that they can actually sell this big of a place out? So it didn't. Even though I am blaming Shawn Michaels partially. You also have to blame the company on wh- why did you even make this decision? Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, let's go with the Rumble. Let's do it. All right. Entries one through five. One, Crush. Two, Ahmed Johnson. Three, Razor Ramon. Four, Phineas Godwin. Five, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I have during this segment eliminated new Razor Ramon, Ahmed, <laughs> Crush, and Phineas. And we start the discussion with Liam. What do you got? So I was just thinking that the 90 second gaps, it's always kind of clear uh, what they, how much trust they have in their roster to do a good rumble, depending on how long or how short they are. Because the, the roster is a bit weak, it seems, at this point. Um, when you've got one crush, two, Amber Johnson was popular, but not great, and then three fake Razor, all in spots that are about 
you know, the workmanlike spots of a rumble. It's a pretty poor showing to start off with, I think. Mm-hmm. Bill, go ahead. What, what do you have? Um, to sort of go on with what Liam was saying, I wrote down with Crush and Ahmed, and, and, I, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to answer this question. Is this the worst one-two combo that we've ever encountered? And I'm going to say it is mm. because cause I know, Jim, yours, which I'm not going to bring up because it I'll gets bring me. it up. Go ahead. Fucking demolition. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, here's Crush, who is really nothing more than a second hand for Farouk at the time. And Ahmed Johnson's getting back from injury. You couldn't have started it with anybody else, you know? That's my thing. When your first three wrestlers are eliminated before the sixth person's come in, because, like, I mean, you know, uh, position three, like Ric Flair sort of doing his stuff in 1992, Mm -hmm. and then sort of one and two generally, you know, hold it all together. Yeah. So it just shows how weak that first, well, I mean, the first four, Phineas isn't much better. You mean Pig? Yeah, Pig. That's right. Phineas, I got one. (laughs) <laughs> I have a note here saying, wait, the Ahmed Nation feud lasted more than a year because oh. they're still feuding in 1998, which you can listen to in the archives uh, for the 1998 Royal Rumble. And because I remember the spot, the one of my favorite spots there was <laughs> Kama pushing Ahmed. Yeah. And Ahmed doesn't do shit about it. He just goes to the back. It's great. But I can't believe it was, it's been a year. that they. Were did, he have another, did he have another injury? That's he, usually the way. He was, I'll tell you this much, he was definitely windied in the 1990, after he was out, he was he was out of it. Which is why he probably didn't go back to uh, Kama and fight mm-hmm. him. <laughs> uh, hey, Liam, how do you feel about Ahmed shaking the ropes like the warrior? He was kind of positioned as that sort of babyface, wasn't he, I guess? He was kind of like the, the big, sort of powerful, intense... I mean, I don't know if you remember any of the... Because he was in one of the old um, WWF video games, and there used to be quite a lot of videos online uh, about his kind of, like, promos that he'd do before. Mm-hmm. They made no sense. And it was very much like, I guess, like the Warrior was in some ways. Ahmed is... was Didn't he win, like, the Rookie Award for, I think, one of the Slammies? Yeah, he won the Slammy for, like, the newcomer of the year. I mean, as a kid, to be honest with you, I thought Ahmed was going to get the belt at some point. Oh, I did too. He probably would have done it if he didn't get injured, to be fair. That's probably true. Hey, there's problems with the clock. <laughs> That's a first. We have problems with the clock. Razor's music does not work. Uh, so apparently clocks don't work in Texas. Okay. Talking um, about music, I've, I've got, uh, I watched part of this on the network and part of it from an original <laughs> copy. The Phineas Godwin uh, network music is awful on every <laughs> yes, level. It is. I was oh, yeah. really confused as to who was coming out, and then I was like, "Oh, it's it's obviously a dub." And then I realized it was because "Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy." Obviously, I guess is is uh, trademarked. So Actually, horrible. We, just, we yeah. discussed that on the last episode and yes. how Hillbilly Jim owns the rights to the song. Good for Hillbilly. I say make him pay him a trillion dollars for the song. I wonder how much. Well, wait. Did, did we say that he has it now? They did buy it now, or no? No. So how much? Okay. So okay. Quick question for both of you. If you're Hillbilly Jim, and you are asked, um, "Don't how much is it going to take for you to give me, meaning Vince McMahon, 
uh, uh, rights to Don't Go Messing With a Country Boy, what would be your price that you would ask? I want both of you to answer. Do you want an exact number? I mean, if you want to put 538 and 27 cents, you can, Bill. <laughs> it's a tough one, because uh, I I always thought that the WWF treated him quite well, even in retirement. And like he's yeah. still obviously he's in the Hall of Fame and so that. So I don't quite understand why he hasn't been paid for it. But maybe they don't think it's worth the value. Um, I don't know. 10,000? 10, 10, I really don't know how much these sort of things go for, to be fair. I mean, I would think that they probably vary. I know Jimmy Hart was also in a situation with them, but then that got resolved, which led to the release of the music of WCW for a mm-hmm. while. So, and now, granted, that it was many songs. This one is just one. And wow. I don't know what else is what else he might have made that might also be missing that we're not seeing. He, he he did that love song on Pile Driver, but I think that's sort of forgettable. So, <laughs> Bill, what's your number? Uh, the most I would go is a million. Okay, that's the most. So at one point during this, and I wish I went into more detail. Um, McMahon indicates that Crush and Ahmed want to legit murder each other. <laughs> like there's co- commentary if you listen to it that are kind of like yeah they might take it you know even outside of this so to speak really weird oh. and more in depth about it yeah Ahmed uh, eliminates himself to chase Farouk because mm-hmm. that's a rule that changed as well because didn't Macho Man Randy Savage uh sort of jump off onto Jake Roberts in one of the earlier ones and then was allowed back in. But obviously now the rule was, oh, it's not, you know, if you go over the top, no matter what happens, you get eliminated. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in 1996. Right. And huh. the fake win by Shawn Michaels. Go back to the archives, guys, and listen to the, the fakest winner, the most nonsensical winner, or not nonsensical, just the fakest winner, Shawn yeah. Michaels. I told you, I'm not even going to, just like how I call, uh, the title belt on current WWE, the Brock Lesnar Memorial Championship. I am going to now only refer to Shawn Michaels as a one-time Royal Rumble winner. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Six through ten now. Six Bart Gunn, seven Jake Roberts, eight the British Bulldog, nine Perroth, and ten the Sultan. I have during this segment eliminated Bart and Roberts. Uh, Bill, I like that you rolled the tongue a bit there. Thank you. It was impressive. I can't do that. <laughs> and I'm born in South America. We start the discussion with Bill. Um, this is where Austin starts to take over at this point. Bart Gunn comes in and he gets eliminated. It's like, well, thanks for coming. And then when Jake's music plays, Vince McMahon has this reaction it's like it's Jake the Snake Roberts and I'm like okay Vince, just just calm down just calm down we don't need that reaction um and it's a good segment with Austin and Jake mm-hmm. and again Jake attempts the DDT again just because you hit it once Jake doesn't mean you're not gonna get it every time in this come on 
Bill, I have a very important question to ask you. Uh-huh. So Jay comes out with the bag as usual. Mm-hmm. Now, are we adding to the animal counter? Because, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you two saw this and I missed it. We don't have any real proof that there was a snake in that bag. That's true. The referee did move the bag fairly quickly when it was on the floor and they were wrestling around it. So I, I have written down, I assumed that was because there was something in there that could have been squashed. Mm, I, I feel like I need to see something to believe it. So I'm going to say, so that's the question, Bill. Do we add it to the animal counter despite the fact we did not physically see the snake? I'm going to say no. Right. What do you have, Liam, for this segment? Um, I'm going to suggest that Bart Gunn is possibly the worst <laughs> Royal Rumble entrant ever. <laughs> Mainly because, so you've had people in the past, like, um, you know, one of the Bushwhackers who went out in two seconds, and the Warlord who went out in two seconds. He's in it for longer, but everything he does is bad. Mm-hmm. He does a really bad rocker dropper or famouser. He then can't get enough air when he gets thrown to the ropes by Austin, so kind of ends up getting slightly tangled in it, and then gets eliminated. So he literally does nothing of any value whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, plus he botched his own elimination. (laughs) It's the most basic thing you think you'd be able to do in a Royal Rumble is to make sure you get over the top rope. Although it does lead to that, there's a really good visual of Austin when he starts sitting on the top turnbuckle and waiting for people. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the image I know a lot of people like link to this rumble. And it's the one that I tend to remember. Like you know, they're sort of the, they're looking at the watch and the waiting. It's really, really good. So I like that part of it, but just, yeah, he's, he's awful. I have a note here saying bulldog is bizarre. Three exclamation points. And then I also saw a, I broken heart HBK sign. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's, so it's I, the letter I. And right. It's the heart, but it's broken. Right. Into two, HB, uh, HBK. Now, I don't understand what they're actually going for with that sign either. So, is this person heartbroken for Shawn Michaels? I That's... guess. But I why would they say that he has the broken heart? maybe this fan saw the future you know what maybe that's there's the explanation Liam what do you else you got for this segment I was making notes as I went along and I, I noticed that this kind of section is quite bare because there's not actually a lot going on outside of the Austin eliminations what I have made a note of is um, I can't say his name probably probably Piedoff is um, he comes out to no reaction whatsoever and I know, I think this was at the time that um, WWF were trying to get some Mexican wrestlers in to sort of counter the cruiserweight division in WCW. Mm-hmm. But just throwing them out into a match earlier in the night and then just bringing them into the Rumble just doesn't work. Like, literally no one cares that he's there. Which is a shame, because, you know, they, they, they all do a job, but just the crowd couldn't really care less. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because that is also one of the reasons why they probably have them there in the first place because of the location and trying to, again, sell more tickets based on them, hoping, I guess, that, you know, you get that Lucha Libre audience um, yeah. to compensate for not uh, selling out the place, you know. Bill, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, sorry, I'm not, not knowledgeable on uh, Lucha Libre, so I don't know how 
like I know these are big names because I've seen them before, but I don't know like how popular or how hot AAA was at the time. So right. whether that was an issue as well, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know, Bill. Do you know anything about AAA around this era? Um, not too well. I I know they're relatively young. I think they're like in existence for like five years at this point, mm-hmm. which is technically young for a wrestling promotion. So, all right. Uh, Bill, what else do you have for the segment? And how much time do we have left on this segment? Uh, we have a minute 50. Okay. Um, at one point, Vince McMahon talks about last year's Rumble, and he's like, I, I think it was about the Bulldog, and I wrote, I don't want to remember Fresh <laughs> Um, And Piroth, I sort of wrote down, oh, we have the Hispanic Killer Bee, because he has the colors of the Killer Bees. The black and yellow. What? Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. But that song wasn't. He, that's the song he should come out to, even though it wasn't invented at that point. Right. What song is that again? Black and yellow, black and yellow. What is that song? It's definitely a song. It's definitely a real song that did not make up just now. Was it about road signs? <laughs> no, I feel like it's an anthem for, or an unofficial anthem for some kind of sports team. Who's mm. black and yellow? Who is black and yellow? Probably s- football, like soccer. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That sounds like that's right. Yeah. But also there's probably soccer teams that are with that color. Hmm. Uh, Liam, do you have anything else for this segment? I think the next segment we're going to talk about the rest of the card, by the way. Yeah, no worries. Um, the, just It's interesting that the Sultan is here. Because, obviously, you go to quite an edgy product the next year, but they still have these kind of quite cartoonish gimmicks kind of lurking around. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of him in there is just a bit odd more than anything else. Yeah, and we only get to see Iron Sheik. Bob Backlund is not with him for this event. Now, wasn't last year, me, 1996? Was it... Eleven through fifteen is where we go now. Eleven Mill Mascaris, twelve Hunter Hearst Helmsley, thirteen Owen Hart, fourteen Goldust, fifteen Cybernetico. And I have during this segment eliminated Sultan and Bulldog. And uh, I'll start the discussion here. Is Bulldog extra sweaty? He looks it. No, he definitely does. Yeah, he's a, he's very moist. <laughs> <laughs> That's one moist bulldog right there. There's a lot of people that are on twice this uh, event. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like the 90 second uh, thing where you are saying about the, it shows their trust in the performers. When they have to go back to the card to get people, also to me just strikes that you don't have a roster that can do the, the rumble justice in some ways. Mm-hmm. Some real... Uh... I guess uh, kind of like some World uh, World War Three vibes. Yeah. Where you know that they don't have enough people, and then they're just going to throw out guys like Brad Armstrong. Um, Owen blames Austin for Bulldog's elimination. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good, because he was like, it was an accident, it was an accident. All right, Bill, what happened on the rest of this card? Okay. Uh, well, we have two dark matches. Which I actually didn't even know existed. Oh, were there any qualifiers? No. Not in 97. 
I'm sorry, Jim. Uh, we had Paro Aguayo Jr. and Venom defeat Maniaco and Mosco de la Merced. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm so glad I don't have to say any of these names. <laughs> Blue Demon Jr., Octagon, and, oh, Lord, Tanitlas <laughs> Jr. defeated Abismo Negro, Heavy Metal, and Hysteria. The free-for-all match is a minis tag match where Mascarita Sagrada Jr. and La Parquita defeated Mini Mankind and Mini Vader. I, I think I'm trying to get that image out of my head now. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated Goldust to stay Intercontinental Champion. Ahmed Johnson defeated Farouk by disqualification. Vader defeated The Undertaker. Kanik, I think that's how you pronounce it. Hector Garza and Pero Aguayo defeated Forza Guerrera. Heavy Heavy Metal wrestles twice. Oh my god! Wow, what a and, and Jerry Estrada. And do I want to mention the main event? Yeah. Or, okay. Shawn Michaels beats Sid for the WWF title. Great. So we know that Shawn Michaels is cemented in for WrestleMania. Wonderful. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, you know, I noticed at one point it's nothing but heels in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like five or six heels all at the same time. I don't think I've ever seen that watching this, where it's like all heels or all faces at the same time. Yeah, very rare, very rare. Before we go forward, uh, Liam, do you have any thoughts on the rest of the card that uh, Bill had just mentioned? So I had a bit of a look at it earlier today, actually, and um, the, the the Undertaker-Vader match in particular, because that was around the time that Paul Bearer was um, feuding with The Undertaker, and any time that that was a storyline, I, I sort of checked out. So just, I, it, Paul Bearer, for me, worked really well as, as Undertaker's manager. As soon as he was against him and lining up with people like Mankind and Vader, just had no interest in that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw also the main event, mainly the finish, and... So I think to win the belt, Sid had attacked Jose Lafario with a camera, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. So they had the whole thing of Shawn Michaels doing the same thing to Sid, which, you know, it worked as a way of kind of, you know, the, the fans liked what happened and, you know, obviously you sort of celebrated Shawn winning and I like the finish, but yeah, it was a bit uninspiring. Yeah, it's, um, but one thing that I, I, I'm just surprised Heavy Metal wrestled twice. I'm really surprised. I know. I can't get off that. I can't, like, uh, he's such a trooper. Uh, I know. What's heavy metal doing now? Uh, that's a good question. Let me look it up real quick. All right. While you do that, Liam, do you have anything else for this segment? I was wondering if the uh, with the dark matches you were talking about, um, whether WWF were taping stuff for Super Astros, which was their Ooh. Mexican show they had. It just seems like I know that was around this time, possibly a little bit later, but. Um. Just, just an idea. But I, I must say, Owen Hart as um, you know, Slammy Award-winning Owen Hart is is one of the best gimmicks probably of all time. He's just so he's so amazing at just being that really arrogant and annoying kind of younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so when he eliminates Bulldog in particular, is pretty good. Um, you get a bit of a snippet of the future actually as well because you get Austin and Triple H fighting. We're talking about the, uh, all the hills being in in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, at least having someone like Austin who just fights everyone kind of makes that work because he would just go for anyone anyway right uh, 
but yeah, just again, too many too many loose doors that no one cares about, unfortunately. In terms of you know, in the ring at least, anyway, and in, in terms of the arena, people didn't seem to be that bothered, and there was three of them. So, mm. so what's Heavy Metal doing? Well, he is still wrestling. Really? Um, although he has worked, it looks like at just about every Mexican promotion you could think of. CMLL is where he started. Then he went to AAA, and then he wrestled a little bit in TNA. Uh, when they did the uh, America's X Cup. I don't know if you remember that, Jim. Uh, vaguely. That was like early on. Um, then he wrestled in a promotion called the International Wrestling Revolution Group. Okay. But for the last several years, he has worked in AAA. Okay. And who has a, who has, someone has a relationship with AAA right now. Uh, I Is believe AEW. Yeah, that's uh, heavy metal for uh, future event. Booking. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll be at the DC show. Right, he might be. Let's see what happens. Um, how much time do we have left? We have fifty seconds. All right. So, I mean, so far, I have to say that I'm pretty uninspired by like, because there's not enough. It's not nothing's like. The main thing that sticks out to me right now for this Rumble match is the Austin stuff. And that's kind of it. Do you mm-hmm. guys agree or not really? I, I agree with that. It's the only thing it's got going for it, really. Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, this next part's going to be ridiculous because... Well, also, it should be noted if I messed up, mess up at some point, I apologize because... At one point, I had a number wrong with the person, and I had to go back and cross out, and my notebook is a terrible mess right now because Hmm. of it. Sixteen through twenty. Sixteen, Mark Mero. Seventeen, Latin Lover. Eighteen, Farouk. Nineteen, Savio Vega. Twenty, Jesse James. And I have during this segment eliminated Cybernetico, Pirot, Mascaras, uh, Triple H, Owen, Mero, Vega, and James. And we start a discussion with Liam. I think this is at least the part where, where the match starts to pick up a little bit. There's a bit more interesting stuff happening. Um, I am noticed that upon Mark Merrow's arrival, I quite like Mark Merrow, but um, Vince was all about talking about Sable, of course, which kind of showed what his hand sort of thing, how, what, yeah, who he thought was the biggest star. Mm-hmm. Amma Johnson comes back out and eliminates Farouk. Got um, the whole way through this. But that bit of wood that... Oh, he beats him up, does he? Or yeah. does he eliminate him? Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. But he comes out with the biggest piece of wood I think I've ever seen. Like, normally, <laughs> yeah, Hacks or Jim Duggan would have, like, a two-by-four. That was, like, a... Oh, God knows, about twice the size it looked like. And he was swinging that recklessly, too. Yeah. Like most of his offense, generally, I think, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, we have Austin by himself again. And then, I mean, when jesse james comes out i'm like oh i forgot that he was the real double j at one yes point. i was like that is <laughs> terrible that might be one of the worst things because i remember thinking back then i was like what this seems stupid i don't know maybe that's just me i didn't like the the real double j i mean why couldn't you've just okay if you, i knew i know the reason they did is because Jarrett left so they were like oh that kills that country music gimmick but i mean I'm sure, like, Queenie, if they said, like, 
oh, well, actually, all Jesse James did was use auto-tune, and that would have been it. Why did he have to adopt the new double J? Just like the new Diesel and the new Razor Ramon. What else is new? Bill, what else is new in this period? Uh, um, I think Livewire is new. <laughs> I just thought it was dumb. What do you guys think? He ends up teaming with Rockabilly eventually, doesn't he, as well? So I guess in a roundabout way, at least it ends up with something good because then they turn into the New Age Outlaws and, yeah. and, it, and it gets somewhere. But it was, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, the, the fascination on the new was a really odd thing because I guess it, a couple of years before that, this you had the new Midnight Express and things like that. They just seem to like recycling old gimmicks. They like to recycle the gimmicks they currently have. We have a mini Vader and a mini Mankind. Yeah, well, that, but that's Mexico, though. They they do that with a lot of the wrestlers. Like, do they no, mm-hmm. Are there many young bucks right now? I wish. That would be really <laughs> good, actually. Uh, Bill, what else do you have? Um, I want to talk about the Mill Mascaris elimination. Okay. Because this is a highlight for the wrong possible reasons. Because he... Help or he eliminates Cybernetico and Piro. Mm-hmm. Then he climbs to the top rope, hits a cross body block onto the other two onto the floor, and then the referee said that he eliminated himself. Mm-hmm. And one of the commentators is like, Oh, that was a mental error by Mascaris. I'm like, Mental error, my ass. He knew what he was doing. Um, Another thing, and I want to see if you two agree with me on this. This match is going quick. Um, Liam, what do you think? I'm not feeling. Sure I mean, it does. Uh, I guess it's like what you're used to with sort of the ones before this, perhaps like the earlier ones in the 90s, where it's the two-minute block. That 90 seconds, even though it's only 30 seconds shorter, it does fly by. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, especially after the start, where it was a bit slow in the middle it is picking up in terms of a few more eliminations, there's more stuff happening, but it seems a little bit more action-packed in the second half, I would say, than the first half. The first half is a little bit dull. It it is is a little bit dull, but it's not terrible, because you have good spots here and there. Yeah, there are worse ones out there, I'm sure. I mean, I like the fact that, and it sort of comes back to to this in this section, but whenever Steve Austin's on his own, he generally is then met by someone from his past. So therefore, mm-hmm. Jake came out and fought him. Uh, in this section, Savio Vega is the one who comes out when Austin's on his own and obviously they've got a history. So the actual, some of the smaller bits of booking are really interesting. Mm-hmm. But just like, at times, there's a little, little bit of dead wood, unfortunately. Right. Bill, how much time do we have left? Two minutes, 20 seconds. Oh, we got a lot. All right. Um, so, Bill, what else do you have then? Um... Ahmed Johnson, when he comes and he beats Farouk, that was a huge pop. That was probably one of the biggest pops of the entire night, um, which, which is actually surprising. But, of course, he did send a member of the nation through, I think it was like the French announce table during the show. So, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe, the, maybe Vince was like, okay, 
we're going to leave the Spanish announce table alone because we're near Mexico. Mm-hmm. So we're going to work with the French table because nobody likes the French. Hey, did he have his catchphrase that they were trying to get over but it never really did at this point? Do you remember what his catchphrase was? Who, Ahmed? Yeah, Ahmed. Uh, I don't even remember. No, it's not a catchphrase. just a saying that they were trying to get him to have him go, go over with. Uh, you're going down. You're going down. <laughs> um, okay. Now, I didn't have this in my notes, but I wanted to bring this up. This is such a waste of the Mexican wrestlers in this match because they're all gone by this point. And, you know, we went through the, you know, the card in the last segment Mm -hmm. and how many other guys there are. They could have put like two or three more guys in there to maybe replace some of the other guys. Like one of them could have taken Bart Gunn's spot, you know, it, it's like, what was the whole point of them being in this match if they're all eliminated by this point? It seemed like it was mainly for the Mascara spot. That was that was the big thing. Yeah, that yeah. was like, look, here's yeah. a guy to the outside. Yeah, he did it to two of the blokes who came in with him, so therefore, you know, didn't really affect anyone. Strange. How, do you guys over there in the UK, I'm just really curious about this, have or had any... Uh, oh, never mind. Twenty-one through twenty-five. Twenty-one. Bret Hart. Twenty-two. Jerry Lawler. Twenty-three. Diesel. Terry. Or twenty-four. Terry Funk. Twenty-five. Rocky Maivia. I have during this segment eliminated Jerry Lawler, and I'm going to start the discussion with this one um, because I am very angry that. Jerry Lawler did the exact same bump as the previous year. Except with a different person. Oh, the over-the-top rope? Even the way he goes and does the bump is almost identical. I didn't even realize. Last year it was Bret Hart. This year it was uh, Shawn Michaels. No, I'm sorry. Last year it was Shawn Michaels, and this year it's Bret Hart. I mean, I caught the eliminations, but the style, I didn't even... No, yeah, he squats down, not squats, he bends down a bit, and then they give him, whether it's Brett or Sean, gives, like, a punch to the face, and then he bounces back, and that's how he's eliminated. Because last year, it was Sean finding him under the ring, and then Mm -hmm. doing that. Then this time, Brett just did it, because he just came in and got out real quick. And I just want some creativity from... My Royal Rumble eliminations, and not quite, recycled yeah, from last year. I quite like that he did the uh, the sentence though. So he started his sentence. It takes a king, then he got punched, and then finished it off to know a king. <laughs> I quite like that element of it at least. But I know what you mean. It is a little bit lazy to sort of have the same kind of elimination two years in a row with the same person. Maybe that's what annoys me. If it was like someone else doing the spy, I'd be like, all right. It's you know what it reminds me of, Bill Test. From 2000 and 2001, because he did that shit there too, mm-hmm. where he came out early to jump someone. I'm like, I just saw this last year. Right. Uh, what else do I have? Uh, I loved Austin's reaction to Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Liam, what about, what about you? What do you have? I actually wrote down that the, the heart reaction for me is one of the greatest moments in wrestling almost because it's so it's so well framed it's so like spot on as the music hits you see his reaction if you know he's kind of like been cocky and arrogant the whole way through and then you know Bret Hart's coming out and you know just it just it's the bit that kind of stays with me probably the most out of the match um but it just yeah they they were it was a great feud and you know they built it really well and obviously it continued on so you know they did a wonderful job here i low key like at the end of this segment there are five amazing people in the match you wouldn't have thought it at the time because you had Rocky Maivia as blue chip of Rocky Maivia. You had um, Fake Diesel, obviously going on to be Kane. But um, if you just said like these five people you know, in 25 years would be kind of people we still look back on fondly, you might not have done. But then yeah, you said Hart, Austin, Funk, Kane, and The Rock. Yeah, so I think it's quite impressive, really. Especially in a, especially in a, a match that we've said occasionally has had sort of deadwood wrestlers that aren't that impressive. It's quite yeah. It's just a, quite an interesting little snippet of, of five. Mm. Bill, what else do you have? Oh man, um, this is where the commentary actually starts to get good because Jerry Lawler, you know, it's like he doesn't really realize that he was in there, and Vince and Jr. They keep reminding him, like, you know, you were in there, and at one point. Like, Vince made some comment, and I'm like, King, is, he's not concussed, Vince. He just just was in there, and then he went out. And, and then Jerry Lawler has one of the all-time greatest lines I think I've ever heard in my life. He says that Bret Hart should not be in the WWF because he's a jerk. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Oh, it was great. Um, And then... You know, we talked about Tess jumping the gun. Terry Funk jumps the gun coming out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. He's Terry Funk. He can do whatever he wants to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to have a bit of a look back, actually, because I wasn't quite sure how long it had been, but it was 14 years on from his first retirement match. Just like say, so, yeah, full sort of, uh, I think it was, yeah, so 1983 was the first time he'd retired. Oh and then in 1997, he's getting a spot in the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Just insane. Yeah, it, he's sort of like the gold standard of retirements. It's like, okay, I'm going to retire this time. And he comes back. Because if, if you watched Beyond the Mat, th- there's a big part of that movie where he is retiring. Right. And they have the match in Texas, Bret Hart's the opponent, and, you know, Dennis Stamp, I'm I'm not booked. Why would I come? I'm not booked. So, you know, he has the match. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> it's the main event. <laughs> but, um, you know, Terry Funk retires, and then, like, three, four months later, he's back as Chainsaw Charlie, and he's in the 98 Rumble. Right. So this man has probably retired more times than the United States of America has had presidents. So, so let me ask you this, Liam, because just because we yeah. have some extra time here, yeah. um, what is your preferred method of Royal Rumble as far as knowing people that are like? So you know how sometimes they give you. Um, who's number one or number thirty in certain years? Do you do you like that or? 
Or not um, really just like being totally blank? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of... Like, I get sort of why you might book matches for, so, to see who's number one or number 30, because obviously it gives you something on the TV beforehand. Mm-hmm. But I do prefer the element of surprise, especially, I mean, they seem to have gone back to that with the position 30. It seems to be less of a thing that they kind of give away, because it gives them a chance to maybe drop in someone who is returning or a surprise entrant of some sort. Um, you know, the... The element of surprise is, is the big thing for the Rumble. I, I don't even really like them announcing all the, all the wrestlers. I mean, they don't tend to do that anymore either. They tend to give you a few, mm-hmm. and then the rest become surprises. Right. So, yeah, that is my preferred thing if I, if I had a choice. Yeah. Um, and, Bill, how much time do we have left? Do we have, we have 38 seconds. Oh, okay. Mm. I was going to ask you about something else, but I think we'll just let this timer run out, and then we get to the final five, and we get a bit of a twist. The, the final however many at this point, because strap in your belts, boys and girls. We're about to have a fun ride. Oh, man. You should have timed that better. You're the one with the clock, Bill. I know. <laughs> um, I'll, get, I'll get it next time. And there we go. Got the uh, alarm. Now the final five. 26, Mankind. 27, Flash Funk. 28, Vader. 29, Henry Godwin. And number 30, The Undertaker. And I have, during this segment, eliminated, leading into the final four. uh, Four-ish. Yeah, Funk, Godwin, Maivia, Terry Funk, Mankind, and Austin. And I'll start the discussion off here. Uh, Lawler says during this segment, I'm going to enter this thing next year. (laughs) Spoiler alert, people. He doesn't. He's a liar. Um, I wrote down a a question like, does King have amnesia? And then literally like two minutes later, JR's like, do you have amnesia, Jerry? Uh, so, uh, Liam, what, what do you have before we talk about the final four? Um, talking about the, the five that I said before that were like low-key, kind of, kind of, kind of amazing five, uh, you then have Mankind come out. So in a, in a 30-man rumble where there has been a lot of gimmicks that aren't great or wrestlers that you know, haven't got much in the way of legacy necessarily, to have those six in a row or those six kind of coming at the same time was, um, again, quite impressive. I don't get how the WWF missed the boat on Two Cold Scorpio. Yeah. Like, how did they not make money with him and just, just let him do him and be amazing? Um, I wrote down jokingly, oh, it's Funk and Mankind part whatever, jokingly, because the two of them can fight all day. Bret Hart hits a really good pile driver on Austin at one point and it looked devastating mm-hmm. um which was really good and then we get like this like from the moment diesel comes in until undertaker comes we have no eliminations and it's surprisingly good mm-hmm. but i have a complaint yes. and this is my first complaint because lord knows we're gonna have a lot of complaints in the next several minutes. Are we going to have complaints or are we just going to have confusion? Maybe. Undertaker comes out. Or at least he starts. And the lights go out. What if somebody got eliminated 
when the lights were out at that time. Because hmm. it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, he the lights are out. What if someone got eliminated and then they never saw it and they came back in? Okay. I mean, it's an interesting thought. I mean, you could do that same theory with Kane as well. Mm-hmm. That would be an interesting spot, I have to say. And you know who was good for the bit of time he was in there was Henry Godwin. I mean, he did. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have any eliminations, but he was going after Taker, Vader, Mankind. I mean, he wasn't holding back. I made a a note that, yeah, he he knocks down Vader in particular, which was a really cool spot. I think you kind of forget how big he actually is. Because mm-hmm. he's a huge, he's a huge man. Like he's really tall and kind of very stocky. And then you got him standing next to Vader, and he doesn't look in any way kind of out of his league in terms of that. But yeah, he was. I, I, I thought actually for the time he was in there, he was really good. Yeah, I mean we had a good big guy battle, which is very rare to say. But yeah, we had a good big guy battle mm-hmm. towards the end. So here's where so Austin gets thrown out and. Mankind and Terry Funk are like brawling, and the referees, for some reason, every referee is deciding to try to pull them apart. Um, so Austin slips back in, and then I think first Austin in eliminates the Undertaker and Vader, which means mm-hmm. we technically it should be final three: Hart versus New Diesel versus Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Then Hart eliminates Diesel. Then Hart wins, and then, but the referees never saw Austin, so it's in limbo. Um, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, where we're going to discuss the final four because the final four is a pay per view that eventually happens next month. So you do get a winner, but you kind of don't in this year. Right. And that's why this is a part two. Although I would argue that. It should be a final five because I Diesel agree. should be in there. I, I agree because if you watch, and they even show it in the replay, the referee's back is turned when Diesel is eliminated. So how can the referee say that Diesel was eliminated if he never saw it? Correct. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought that same thing. It's like, well, wait a minute. Shouldn't Diesel be in, you know, that next pay-per-view because technically no you know the referees never saw it they were still working with um terry funk and mankind right um liam your thoughts on new diesel gain shift it was one of those weird ones where um i don't know how else they could have booked it because i guess brett needed to be doing something with someone to allow austin to kind of get in eliminate vader and undertaker and then eliminate bret hart but it does seem weird that you go, yeah, so you know, Austin's eliminated, uh, comes back in, and these guys get this match in the next pay-per-view, and mm-hmm. Diesel somehow is like erased from history, it seems. Poor new Diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, we're going to discuss the Final Four pay-per-view. We're not going to discuss the aftermath of this Rumble because we're going to carry that over to the next one. Um, Liam, why don't you give... Well, I want you to give me your overall thoughts on this Rumble and then um, your final plugs because we're about to head out of here and people, you can check us out on the next episode. We're going to talk about the whole Final Four pay-per-view. 
So I was surprised actually watching this because I haven't seen this era of 1997 for a while. And I expected it to be, I don't want to say it was bad. I expected it to be better than it was because 1997, 1998, 1999 kind of get held up as these uh, amazing time for wrestling. And actually the WWF clearly at this point is in a transition period. Mm-hmm. So you have some of the good wrestlers that you're going to see over the next few years, like your Mankind, your, your Austins, you know, people like that. But there's still a lot of people in there that, you know, people complain all the time about rumbles nowadays where there's uh, only maybe two or three people who can win. Realistically in this one, there was only ever going to be maybe three or four people who had shared a chance. Mm-hmm. You weren't going to have the Sultan win. You weren't going to have Jesse James win. You weren't going to have any of those sort of people win. So it, it still became a little bit predictable. However, I would say the last, I said the second half, the, the match does pick up. That's because the star power is in the second half, realistically, or at least the star power lasts into the second half and is joined by better wrestlers on the whole. So yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a decent rumble, but it's just, it's interesting to see the, uh, the company in such a transition period, um, especially compared to what, you know, they'll offer us in 98 and 99. All right. Um, and where can people find you? What do you got going on? Okay, so on Twitter, uh, my handle is TV Time Limit. Um, I write for Voices of Wrestling, and I also have um, a collection of books called Tracking the Territories, which basically was me going back and watching 1984 sort of television wrestling. So it's kind of like the last year, well, not last year, but one of the last great years of territories. So you had like Memphis, World Class. Um, I look at WWF, I look at Mid Atlantic, and just basically reviewing the shows. Um, so they're on Amazon, so obviously do check them out. All right. As far as I go, uh, you can find me on thatspodcasting.com. Um, that's podcasting on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, as far as this rumble goes, eh, it was it was eh. I don't want to say it was the worst, and it's, but it definitely wasn't the best either. Uh, you know what? I don't even know. You, you know what I would say? My summary is it feels incomplete, and I feel yeah. like I'm probably I probably should shouldn't even have said that. As far as like that it was meh because I feel like it continues on Final Four because the Final Four pay-per-view, it's under, well, it it basically goes under Royal Rumble rules because even though there's pins and submissions are allowed, you can also get thrown over the top rope, which is what happens for everyone in that match. Um, so yeah, uh, that's about it. Uh, Bill, why don't you give your plugs and let's get out of here. All right. Um, overall, this match is sort of forgettable, but the second half of this match, and I have to agree with Liam, second half is really strong and maybe keeps this from being one of the worst Royal Rumbles. Um, just really good commentary in this match and the talent that's there. I mean, it's really good. You have the established stars, you have the Mexican wrestlers, and then you have some guys that we didn't know at the time were going to be big stars. Triple H is a, you know, and the rock. Those are two right off the bat. Um, but overall I, I, I can live with this. I I'd say it's an okay rubble. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at house of bill and you can check out my podcast, that wrestling show, which comes up each and every Friday. Uh, next time around, Jim and I, we're going to go to In Your House with In Your House Final Four. Until then, 
1997 Royal Rumble has been eliminated. 